Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From Week 1 all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Astros absolutely gag one up against the A's, but remain in first. The race for the postseason continues. And who has been consistent on this wildly inconsistent team? We discuss that and more right now. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast. Your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blobber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 89 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am Jeff Balky, my partner Jeff Blum. Out again today, but fear not, he's not ill. He's completely recovered, uh, but he does have a scheduled speaking engagement this morning, so we will be without him for one more week. Fortunately for himself and for the rest of us, he's fully healthy and back on the broadcast. He will be back here next week. I'm here flying solo, and listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a little under the weather myself, so if you hear me clearing my throat or needing to deal with my sinuses, I'm sniffling a little, uh, please bear with me. Uh, please don't change that channel. Wait, this isn't a channel. You're locked into this podcast. You got no choice to finish it now. You've already started. You've already started. Just go ahead and roll with it. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube. Give us a follow on Twitter, X, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, we're also on Instagram, both places, at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky Blummer, at Blummer27, all over your favorite social media platforms. Also subscribe to us on YouTube so you're alerted to new videos. I've been a little derelict in putting up videos the past week, so I'm going to get on that and make sure that is rectified as of today. Thank you for giving us five stars and leaving reviews on Apple. Uh, obviously, send us your comments and questions. We love seeing all of those comments and questions. They're, they're super fun. And a lot of you hit me up on Twitter slash X, whatever it is, um, so I really appreciate that and uh, good interaction with loads of awesome Astros fans out there. Uh, so keep sending those in. Uh, Astros remain in first despite whatever the hairball was that they coughed up last night against the A's. My goodness, just one hit through through eight innings. They managed another pair of hits in the ninth. Jeremy Pena had two of the three hits for the Astros. The other one from Jose Altuve. I mean, they went from absolutely decimating the Rangers and for the most part decimating the Padres to being shut out by the A's? 
on and and by the way, shutout on by the A is unlike a what do they call those a starter game or whatever where the guy comes in and pitches like two innings and then they have another player that comes in and follows him. I mean, yikes! Framber Valdez was solid, if not spectacular. He gave up three runs. Um, uh, and then another run given up by Rafael Montero to the final four to nothing. Uh, long ball was a problem. But, you know, the truth is, is that Fromber's been fine. And and truthfully, the way the Astros have been playing, they shouldn't have needed Fromber Valdez to have a shutout. Three innings is perfectly respectable. So to to, you know, to just not be able to do anything you know, against the A's. I mean, granted, they were pitching well, but good night. It just, it's just another mark of this team this year, which has been so wildly inconsistent. Yet, right now, looking at the AL West, they're still two games up. Now, interestingly enough, two games up on Texas, as the Mariners lost last night, and the Rangers, Rangers absolutely pummeled the Blue Jays in Toronto. That's a big series. Uh, for the for both the Rangers and the Blue Jays in terms of the wild card, um, and the Mariners can't just suddenly. I mean, they haven't been playing very well lately. They can't just suddenly fall off the map. You know, they're not in by any stretch of the imagination. Right now, they're on the outside looking in, in the wild card race. And honestly, <clears throat> the Rangers being in second is better for the Astros in this division because the Astros own the tiebreaker in that series, but they do not own the tiebreaker against Seattle and they're not going to get it. Um, so I think that that's one thing to keep an eye on Texas and Seattle face each other twice before the end of the season. The Astros face Seattle once and that's second to last uh, series of the year. Um, so, and then the, you know, and we look ahead this week, the Astros have two more with Oakland before three games at Kansas city. It, this is one of those things where they, they need to, you know, these are two of the worst teams in baseball. They have got to take, have a sense of urgency and go out and take care of business. Look, they lost last night and it was terrible, but if they win the next five, they're likely going to be more than two games up. Uh, in the AL West by the time all is said and done. I mean, by the if they were to win all five, they could be up three, four games and really kind of stretch out that lead a little bit as we get deeper into this last month of the season. The Mariners have three more uh, in Seattle with the Angels, where they got whooped last night. Um, and then they go to L.A. to play the Dodgers for three. So no easy road for them. And then, of course, South Oklahoma, they have three more in Toronto. I got to imagine Toronto is going to bounce back. They've been really good over the last a month and a half or so, and Texas has not been. Um, and then they head to Cleveland for a series with the Guardians, which is no gimme. Um, so all the Astros need to do at this point is keep on winning. That is their, you know, their only their only real goal. And frankly, that's as it should be. That's you know. That's as it should be. Um, they, they their destiny is in their own hands. You know, when you look at the the standings, the Astros are a couple games up in the win column. Uh, one, I think, up in the loss column. Uh, so they're in good position right now and can stay that way. But they can't lose to bad teams, right? At least not substantially. Like they have to keep winning series. 
uh, and they have to, have to keep winning as just as much as humanly possible um, because they are going to face some tough teams coming up. You know, they will face the Mariners. They're going to face the Diamondbacks at the end of the season, which is no uh, easy feat. Um, if you look at the Astros' schedule over the next month after the Royals, they've got three home games against the Orioles, who are very, very good, um, and are going to be. That's going to be a tough series. Then they've got three at home against the Royals. Uh, which again, you're, what do we know about a home for the Astros? They don't do very well. Uh, obviously, they're at home against the A's right now. Then they go on the road to Kansas City, which is good. Then they actually finish out the season on the road. Three at Seattle, followed by three at Arizona. Um, so, you know, this big. really every series is big at this point. You know, this is not uh, the last few seasons where – you know, they're 10, 12 games up heading into the final month of the season. And so really what I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit today was go over this last month of the season in terms of where they've been. Like, look look ahead, but look basically to where they've been in terms of their consistency. Because this is a team, as I mentioned at the top, they're a... They've been pretty wildly inconsistent in terms of winning. You see, they're what they score like 10, 11, 12 runs and come back and get shut out. That's not un, that has happened more than once this this season. And so I want to look a little bit at the Astros' consistency. Mainly, who are the consistent players on this team? Who have been the consistent players in terms of contributions? And who have not? And hopefully that can lead us to some understanding of, of where those players might be, you know, going forward as you get to the postseason. So I want to start with the pitchers because I think the pitchers are actually a little bit easier. <clears throat> if you look at um, their most consistent pitchers, it's been Verlander since he came over from Valdez, Hector Neris and Brian Abreu. Those have been their four most consistent guys um, you know, Neris and Abreu have been spectacular. Verlander and Fromber have had their kind of hiccups here and there, but for the most part, they have been behaving like ace pitchers and been doing a really good job. The next in line in terms of what I consider the somewhat consistent guys, JP France, Kendall Graveman, Phil Maton. Graveman's had a little bit of shaky here in the last game or two, but overall, and Phil Maton honestly has been good, except right before his injury. Um, and so for the if you if you take his entire body of work over the season, he's been a very consistent player for the Astros. JP France is the interesting one because if you look at him compared to the other potential starting rotation pitchers uh, in the postseason, you've got him, you've got Christian Javier, you've got Hunter Brown, and you've got Jose Urquidy. I think it's a foregone conclusion now that Jose Urquidy is not going to start in the postseason. He's a guy that it, could contribute out of the bullpen. He might not even be on the first uh, series roster if it's a, if the first series of five games, um, as we kind of assume it might be. There's a good chance he's not even on that roster. Um, I think also we've seen Hunter Brown out of the bullpen, so it would not shock me. Uh, if you if you saw Hunter Brown as another guy out of the bullpen, um, and f- honestly, I think France is going to be the third guy in a short series, and probably the third guy in in longer series going forward. He's just been 
remarkably consistent for a guy who we didn't even know his name to start the season. And, and it, that's a really, it's been a huge thing going on next to the guys that I've been, I've considered sort of somewhat inconsistent when it comes to pitching is Hunter Brown, uh, who we've seen have his struggles. I mean, he is a rookie in fairness. Um, he's had some command issues. He's had some just dead arm problems clearly. Um, so, you know, he just he, maybe he'll start to kick it into gear here in the last month. He's only probably going to get three starts. Most of these guys are only going to get like three starts before the postseason. So they're going to have to kind of figure it out pretty quick. Ryan Presley, another one. And I, honestly, Ryan Presley, when he's been on, he has been spectacular. But, you know, he's given up quite a few saves this year, which is uncharacteristic for him. Um you know, and he's had a couple of small injuries. The Astros are going to count on him come the postseason, and he's going to have to deliver for them. And the other one, Rafael Montero. And listen, I'm saying this for a reason. In the last month or so, Rafael Montero has been spectacular. In the first couple months, he was spectacular. Then there was an implosion where I think a lot of us wondered, could he even, you know, could you even have him playing at all? And he managed to work his way through that. You know, I think there were a lot of expectations. He was given the big contract in the offseason, uh, a contract that's bigger than any reliever who's not a closer. Um, and look, credit to him. He has kind of figured it out. And he, he gave up a home run last night, uh, which has really been kind of his issue throughout the season. But overall, Rafael Montero's been really good. Uh, the last month, month and a half of the season. So that's why I put him in the somewhat inconsistent because his his sort of like curve for the year has been like way up, then way down, then way back up again. And so hopefully where he is now is where he will remain because the Astros really need that help in the bullpen. Finally, the guys that I consider mostly inconsistent throughout the year is Christian Javier and Ryan Stanek. So Stanek, um, you can look at him and say, well, he's been, he was really good at, at per, and he certainly seemed like he was really rounding into form uh, here before he hurt his ankle. I'm not sure we'll see him again. You know, they left him off of the uh, playoff roster last year. And the main reason for that is the same reason he's had this year. And that is Stanek has some control issues. Um, he, he's a guy that can put people on base sometimes. And that's just something you can't have in the postseason. And I doubt his ankle is going to heal fast enough for him to get plenty of rehab or anything. So we might have seen the last of Ryan Stanek for this year. And Christian Javier, you know, I my personal feeling is that he is just tired. Um, you know, Blummer and I have talked about this numerous times. He came out of the bullpen to start last season. He was not a starter last year. And he didn't really come on until, you know, midway through the year. Um, or a little more than a third of the way through a year. So he's a guy who this is he's way over his, you know, career high for uh, innings pitched. So in truth, it's not too surprising that he's kind of struggled. Um, whether or not he can, you know, round out in the last three games, I'm just not sure that's the case. I think he's just struggling with dead arm issues. And I just don't think that's going to go away. I think he's just going to have to get stronger. You know, I think it didn't help that they pitched. he pitched all the way late into last year. Then he pitched in the WBC. Then he came in. And I think I think it's he's worn out. 
and and this is something guys can get past, right? I'm not sure it's something he can get past during the season. Um, and that's a problem. I do have a category called the jury's just out. I'm actually writing the story for the Houston press and I have Jose Urquidy on there. Cause we don't really know what to expect from Urquidy. He's been okay. Uh, throwing sort of out of the bullpen. Um, again, I think that that's where the Astros are going to use him probably going forward. Uh, he's a guy that can give them innings, um, and uh, when you can have a long reliever, that's a I think that's a big deal. But in terms of consistency overall, I mean, the good news is that most of their relief core has been has been has been good. Is they've been better they they've been better than they've been worse. The issue really is the starters. If you can pencil in and say Verlander and Valdez are like, you know, okay, they're gonna they're locked, they're gonna be locked in for the postseason. Uh, although we know Verlander's issues uh, that he has had at times. The question is, can you trust JP France and let's say Hunter Brown? <clears throat> um, I don't know. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, in terms of the position players. To me, the position players are actually a, a more interesting and a, and a slightly more complicated equation when it comes to determining consistency and sort of where they will be going forward. Um, and I and I think it's for a combination of reasons. The most consistent guys this year in terms of position players have been Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, and Chaz McCormick. And... Um, and I want to dig in a little bit on this. Uh, uh, let me. I'm going to run through everybody who I think has been consistent and consistent because I think I, I want to come back to some of these. The guys I think are next in line, somewhat consistent: Alex Bregman, Yiner Diaz, Mauricio Dubon. Dubon has cooled off since his hot start. Bregman has heated up since his cool start, but both of them have been pretty good because Bregman's been getting on base all season long, um, and Yiner Diaz, of course. We know his situation. The guys I consider who've been somewhat inconsistent, Jake Myers, who we just haven't really gotten a sense of him because he just hasn't played enough. Um, and when he has, especially at the plate, he's great defensively, but at the plate, he's just hasn't done much. Jeremy Pena. Now, this is a guy I might consider bumping up a little bit. The biggest issues with Jeremy Pena have been, uh, you know, questions about hitting and, um, and about his lack of power this season. He hasn't gotten his launch angle. There's a good story written about this. I think Chandler Rome wrote it uh, for The Athletic about how his launch angle has been lower. And so as a result, he's hitting a lot of uh, liners and a lot of uh, ground balls. He's not getting the ball up. So he only has 10 home runs this season. And... Um, so that's it. That is that is the only reason I place that inconsistent. Because defensively, he's going to win another Gold Glove. He's been spectacular in the field, and he might be worthy of bumping up into the slightly more consistent range, given his play lately, especially. And you know, kudos to Jeremy Pena for the fact that he doesn't he doesn't swing nearly as much at bad pitches as he used to. His on base percentage has gotten way up there, and so that's been really good. The mostly inconsistent guys we all know. Abreu, Jose Abreu, and Martin Maldonado. And then the jury's still out on Michael Brantley. <coughs> Look, 
What can you say about Uncle Mike? He's come back and been spectacular. And listen, the Astros have, I think I saw the other day, the Astros have seven guys that are hitting above 800 OPS. Um, so, but let me, let me dig a little bit deeper into some of these. Um, first of all, Jose Altuve is incredible. Like there was a, I was listening to, um, the stone cold Astros podcast with uh, Charlie Palillo, uh, the other day. And he made a point that it is arguable that Jose Altuve, it has eclipsed Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio as the as the greatest Astro of all time, and I think there's a very solid argument to be made for this, mainly because of his success in the postseason. You know, Jose Altuve obviously, you know, has been tremendous, but when you look at how good he is at 33, I mean, Jose Altuve is spectacular. He's got the second best uh, OPS on the team behind Jordan Alvarez. He has been just absolutely phenomenal, and I'm not just talking about the home runs recently, the the barrage of homers, which has been excellent, but just his ability to get on base over 400 on base. Now he's at like, I think 317 batting average, you know, he's just been, since he came back from that injury and look, he missed a bunch of games this year, but since he has come back, he has been nothing short of tremendous. Then you look at Kyle Tucker, another one, honestly, should be in the conversation for AL MVP, right? Um, has just been tremendous in terms of consistency. He's likely going to be a 30-30 guy this year. Um, he's the first guy to go 25-25 two years since Jeff Bagwell. Uh, so just everything with him. Jordan Alvarez has been a little iffy over the last, say, two or three weeks, but... Jordan, of course, he's just he's the best power hitter on the team. He's one of the best players on the team. He and Kyle Tucker, you know, are just ridiculous to watch in there. And then that brings me to Chaz McCormick. So there is no other player in baseball who is as good as Chaz McCormick, who is not an everyday player. And um I want to talk I know we've we've beat this dead horse practically to death, right? But I want to go back to it mainly because it's not just the complaints on Twitter, it's also now stories about it. And Dusty Baker is getting annoyed by people asking about Chas McCormick, but it is something that has to be brought up because the fact of the matter is is that whether you play him in left field or whether you play him in center, like he made another great catch last night in center field, um, he absolutely deserves to be an everyday player for what he does at the plate. Period. Full stop. Right? Um, and it's inexplicable that you're going to rotate so many guys in and out. I get it. We're starting to get into a log jam here uh, with both the DH and outfield. I mean, I think Jordan's going to get most of the time at DH, and Michael Brantley's not going to play every day because, well, you know, Uncle Mike is older and coming off injury, so they're going to they're going to limit him. But he's a left-handed bat, and Dusty wants another left-handed bat in the lineup, and um, which is fine, right? I mean, Brantley's been hitting, and that's great. And it's clear you can rely on him for that. But 
if the he he comes in and Jordan is your DH, then McCormick should be your center fielder. But Mauricio Dubon is getting a bunch of reps in center field because Dusty Baker likes the strength of his arm better. And listen, Mauricio, Mauricio Dubon's been a very solid player all season long. Uh, he continues to hit pretty well with consistency, but there's no comparison. Chaz McCormick is their best option. Like their best lineup in the outfield offensively is Brantley, McCormick, Tucker. With Jordan as your DH and Yiner Diaz catching. And I'm going to, we'll get to Yiner in a second. Um, that's their best offensive lineup, and it's not really even close. I mean, that we saw that lineup the other day, and that lineup can do damage. That lineup can do serious damage. Um, <clears throat> but with Chas McCormick, look, I understand. Look, I've made this comment before. I don't agree with the choice to play Martin Maldonado primarily over Yiner Diaz, right? If it were me, it's not, obviously it's not, but if it were me, I would be playing Yiner at least 50% of the time catching and then try to work him into DH. I know that's not my decision, but having said that, I don't, while I don't agree, I respect the logic behind it. The one area where Yiner still needs some improvement is his control of the game, his game management on the field. Maldonado is clearly a wizard at that. Now, the results don't always show that, but <clears throat> when it comes to critical situations, you want a guy that's going to be a coach on the field, and I understand that. I don't agree with it. I still think Yanner should be playing most of the time, but I do understand that decision. Chas McCormick, I don't understand at all. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't know why he is being sit more than he is. I don't know where this weight issue that came up recently came from. Makes no sense to me. He's been very good in the outfield. Um, so I don't know what the problem is there, but it's obviously going to continue. And uh, the Astros are going to have to figure that out. When you look down at the next line, like, first of all, let's, before we dig into Yiner, Hey, man, Alex Bregman is hitting like a mofo right now. Good on Alex Bregman. Like, Bregman's been in a hole for a while, you know, through the first few months of the season. He has figured it out. And and credit to him for continuing to get on base early on when he just wasn't hitting as well. But now he's hitting for power. He's getting close. I think he's close to 900 in OPS. Um, Bregman is looking like the Bregman we expect him to be at third base and also credit him defensively. He's been good all season long, made a couple of great plays last night. Um, and by the way, let's get into this Yiner thing. If anybody was thinking, Oh, maybe we should play Yiner more at first instead of Jose Abreu. Look, Jose Abreu has not been consistent. has not been good. He's been a little better lately, but the thing is he's markedly better at first base. He made a couple of picks just last night that were, tremendous and not say Yiner can't play it, but you know, it would just be forcing it to get him in there. Right. If Jose Abreu is injured, that's one thing. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is Jose Abreu is a very solid first baseman, not great, not spectacular, but solid. And when you're, when you're got players in the infield, like Jeremy Pena and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, who can make 
wild, you know, they, they're guys that have range. These are guys that have range and sometimes they're going to make rangy throws. They're going to make a cat. They're going to grab a ball and they're going to heave it across the diamond and they're going to need somebody on the other end who can make a pick and Jose, you know, Abreu can do that. So let's dig a little bit more into Yiner Diaz. I know every, nobody wants to talk about this anymore. I don't think, but Yiner Diaz is one of the best, most consistent hitters on the team and has been for the entire season. Had he played more, he'd probably be rookie of the year in the AL. Um, having said that, uh, Finding time for him is going to be harder than finding time for Chas McCormick going forward. He's there's just not going to be a lot of spots in DH because they're going to give the DH to Jordan as much as they can. They're going to give it to Brantley when he's not available. Yiner's going to get squeezed. Now, how that impacts him, I don't know, but I think oh, at least over the next few weeks, they're probably he's probably going to get more time than he'll get in the postseason. Right for the next few weeks, he's going to get time because they're going to want to rest, guys, as they should, uh, as we're getting close to the postseason. But if if he is not a part of the the regular rotation of players in the postseason, now obviously he'll get pinch hit opportunities and that sort of thing. But you have to look; they're going to solidify their lineup, probably righty lefty kind of deal. And uh, Yiner's not going to get a lot of time because here's the other problem. Yiner's hasn't been good against lefties, um, kind of counterintuitive for a right-handed hitter, but he hasn't been. And so uh, against lefties, you would think, oh, well, they're going to play Yiner because, well, he's a right-handed batter. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. They could DH Jordan in that situation. They could do a more defensive alignment in outfield with Dubon in center, McCormick and left, uh, rest Brantley on that day. Um, so yeah, not necessarily. So he's going to have to fight for some playing time. Now, the good news is he's going to be the everyday catcher next year. Um, he is the catcher of the future. We're just going to have to deal with the frustration of that going forward. Um, I'm very encouraged by Jeremy Pena's play of late. I've already mentioned this. Uh, I feel like he is going to be, uh, he can be a real asset to this team. I wish his power numbers would come up. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but that is a concern, I think, for me, and it should be a concern for everybody. Uh, you know, he's gone with this, do I have the leg kick? Do I not have the leg kick? You know, remember this time last year when he was a rookie, this is sort of when he started to break out. This and into the postseason where he became the Jeremy Pena we saw as the MVP of the World Series and all of that. So maybe this is what's going to happen. Maybe he's going to start to turn this around as we get here towards the end of the season. I don't know, but 10 home runs for him. That's not a lot. That's this is a guy that should probably be hitting 15 to 20 home runs uh, per season with his power and his abilities. He should certainly be doing better than that. But anyway, forget all that for now. Jeremy Pena defensively is so good. Um, so that at least helps, you know, to sort of, tamp down some of the issues he's had at the plate. But right now he's hitting well. He's getting on base. You know, if they keep putting him in in that two-hole, look, this is going to be a, a, a very, very potent lineup. The problem, and I think we're all experiencing this, is are they always going to put the best lineup on the field? Right? Is Dusty Baker always going to be putting running the right the right guys out there? And I just I'm not sure he is. Um but uh, that's a different story. One other thing I want to get to 
before finishing up is the fact that uh, the Astros have had contact with David Stearns, who works for the uh, Brewers. He was the assistant GM uh, under Jeff Luno. Now, it has been a wide, it has been a pretty open secret, I think, that the Astros would like David Stearns back in the organization. I think they tried to go after him for general manager before hiring Dana Brown. Uh, he was still under contract with Milwaukee and he said he wasn't ready to come back, but it seems now he's re energized. The Mets also won then. Now the Mets won him as well. Both teams, it appears, want him as their president of baseball operations. I don't think any either one of them are looking at him as GM. Uh, the, the Mets have a guy in place, and the Astros obviously have Dana Brown. It's a little weird, you know, because Dana Brown. One of the advantages of coming in here was. Uh, he had a direct line to Jim Crane. He was the GM, the only personal guy. But, you know, if the Astros could get Stearns back, it could make an for an interesting, you know, front office circumstance. Not in necessarily in a bad way. I'm sure Dana Brown would be annoyed by it. He, he could get over it. But think about it. Dana Brown's one of the best minds in terms of the draft. Uh, in baseball, widely considered one of the best drafting guys. Um, and Stearns is widely considered a very talented uh, you know, guy and executive. If you could pair those guys, uh, it could make it, it could really make the Astros formidable, more formidable than they are already. Listen, they have got to rebuild their minor league system. They don't have a choice. Um, they still have some very good prospects in the minor leagues. I mean, when you look at some of the guys that are playing, uh, Jacob Melton has been very good. Spencer Aragetti has been very good. I think it's Aragetti, Aragnetti. I don't know. It's sounds like spaghetti to me, but I don't know. Um, they've got some guys down there who are playing really, really well and should be, if not challenging for a, a roster spot next year, certainly in the coming couple of years. Um, plus the draft picks that they made this season, uh, this off season. So this is going to be a real, and it wasn't, it wasn't this off season. See, I said that it's not, they made those picks in the middle of the season, which is always weird to me. The draft in the middle of baseball season is just weird. Um, but anyway, this is a team that, that they've done a little bit, but they've got a long way to go. And so they need somebody with those draft skills. And obviously Dana Brown has that. So, could they bring in an executive that could then be really good at dealing with contracts and potential trades and things like that? I mean, Dana Brown hasn't even had an offseason yet. He wasn't in charge last offseason. He didn't get here until the offseason was over. So it, it's going to be real interesting to watch that going forward. I I mean, uh, Stearns was a Mets guy growing up. He's a Mets fan from New York, the New York area. His wife is from Houston, as somebody pointed out the other day. But nevertheless, uh, it's a very intriguing situation and something all Astros fans should be watching as we get closer to the offseason. Look, I hate to say it, but we are getting close to the offseason. <laughs> the offseason is really, it's less than two months away, guys. But six weeks out, we're going to be done with all of this and we'll be on to the, uh, to the hot stove league. So enjoy it while you can, because it's it, it will come to an end soon. I mean, look, I'm looking forward to the cooler weather personally, um, but obviously nobody wants to lose baseball. 
But that is the reality. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And in, in this case, just me. Um, <clears throat> we will be back next week with a fresh pod brought to you by Bet Online. Blummer will be rejoining. I will probably drop in a Friday quickie to you to, for you to get ready for the weekend. I will be in Austin, Texas, United States, the world, uh, visiting my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and some friends uh, this weekend. So be jealous because it's going to be pretty freaking awesome. Again, a huge thanks to all of our listeners and viewers all over the world. Uh, guys from – we've got guys and gals listening Every corner, I always hear that every corner of the globe, but the globe doesn't have corners. So I'm going to say all around the globe. Yes, the earth is round. Sorry. You guys are just going to have to deal with that. Um, thanks so much for listening. You guys are the best. Uh, liking, subscribing, commenting. Keep it coming. We're super thankful for all of you. I know Blummer will say this. Blummer loves fans more than anybody else uh, So that I've known. So... I know coming from him, he, he loves hearing from all of you. And I'm sure he loved hearing from all of you when you, he wasn't feeling well. So thanks for all of that. We will see you next week. And as always, go Astros. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.